All right, um, we are back here on Poisoned Podcast. Um, today is going to be a Russell thir- uh, buh, 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 WrestleMania 35 um, breakdown. Uh, we are back with our full cast and crew being me, Zach, and... Me, Bailey. <laughs> and we are going to be uh, just breaking down the action. Um, we're not a wrestling podcast. That is something I need to make obvious right off the bat because we are not going to be talking about all the deeper ins and outs of wrestling and all that good stuff. We're just talking about it and saying what we thought about the matches. And um, since I'm a much more well-versed fan, I've been watching it for a while now, uh, I will have more to say about some things, but it's going to be fun to get Bailey's input because she's kind of newly getting into it. So Without further ado, we're going to start breaking it down. Um, Again, this is WrestleMania 35, and it took place in New Jersey. We're going to start with the pre-show, which I watched. She did not. Um, She was at work during that time. But there's not much to say about it. I didn't really care much about what happened there, but we'll just break it down real quick. So to start, you had the Cruiserweight Championship between Tony Nese and Buddy Murphy. I didn't actually catch this one except for the very, very, very end and know that Tony Nese won. But I guess that's good. I don't really keep up with 205 Live, unfortunately, because I know they have a lot of great talent on there. But it's just, I don't have time for it, to be honest, at the end of the day. So um, Tony Nese wins. Buddy Murphy, I know, has been doing a great job, so I'm sure he's going to, you know, probably fight back for the title so we'll see where that story goes but I'm sure it was a great match but where I started watching was the women's battle royale um Carmella ends up winning this match and honestly there's nothing much to say about it it's a battle royale I don't like battle royales they are rarely very interesting to me just shoving 30 people in a ring and then expecting them to be able to like work around each other and make something interesting it just doesn't always work out that well so I don't have much to say about it Carmella won uh due to some shenanigans where she hid outside the ring for most of the match uh and it was what it was so that's all I gotta say the raw tag team match followed this one I have a little more to say because it's disappointing to me uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins were facing the Revival for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And the Revival, I think, are one of the greatest tag teams that WWE has. Um, and I think they're one of the better tag teams in like all of wrestling. So it's really disappointing when they get set, put on the pre-show and get put in a match that kind of didn't have any reason to exist really it just kind of got thrown together and shoved on the pre-show and I kind of wish it just didn't get on there at all but what happens is Revival enters first as champions which I do not like I prefer the champions to enter last um I think that's how all fight sports do it and it only seems right that you should keep that tradition of the champion coming in last but they entered first and not only that they lose to a roll-up by Kurt Hawkins who's a bit on a 260 match losing streak um and you get the quote-unquote feel-good moment of the Jersey Boys winning the tag team titles in their home state I didn't care it was really disappointing to me um 
I don't know that it was deserved. I think they don't treat the revival very well, and that's kind of my thoughts summed up real quickly. Uh, there was a really cool brain poster on the floor that uh, Scott Dawson did to Kurt Hawkins, and I really liked that spot, but everything else was pretty bland and uninteresting and disappointing. Um... Then you have the final pre-show match, which is the Andrea the Giant Battle Royale. Again, another Battle Royale, not my cup of tea, and yet again, not much to say here. The big thing is that the Saturday Night Live guys were a part of this, and again, I could not have cared less. Braun Strowman eliminates everybody, pretty much. Uh, excuse me. Um, and breaks the elimination record for that match, which, yeah, that should happen. It fits his shtick. And throws the Saturday Night Live guy, one Saturday Night Live guy out and punches the other one to uh, eliminate them. And that's pretty much how we get our win. Um, it was fine. It was a battle royale. It, it was what it was. But Braun Strowman wins. That's great. We love Braun. And now to the main show. So... The main show, the first thing we notice, we get Alexa Bliss and Hulk Hogan comes out, all the fanfare, so on and so forth. It's exciting. But the first thing I notice is we got fireworks. And that's a huge deal to me because the past, like, two years of pay-per-views now haven't had fireworks. And that's including WrestleMania um, last year. And fireworks just add a whole nother level of presentation that i really appreciate I agree. especially with some of the guys entrances that like they've kind of timed up their their choreography to the shooting of fireworks it's just so much more impactful so i appreciate that i was really happy to see that back um but we go to the first match which is the universal championship match uh, I really like the way that this started off because Paul Heyman, Heyman just totally interrupts Hulk Hogan, storms down the ramp and says, if we're not going on last, we're going on first so we can get the hell out of here. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's such a good story, B. Um, that's exactly the way that, that they should have handled the fact that Brock Lesnar wasn't the main event because he always is. And I really liked that aspect of the story. Um, so... With that match, it was hard-hitting, fast-paced. There were a lot of, like, cool spots and, and German suplexes, as you would expect. Um, Seth is pretty much just getting beat down for the whole match. Um, but he rallies at the end um, and gets three curb stomps to Brock Lesnar in order to take him out. Brock keeps getting up after the first and the second one. Um, which is a cool sight because that match takes most guys out of the game right away. Um, but he uh, he lands three stomps, gets the pin, and gets the win. And we got fireworks and Seth Rollins swinging the belt around on the top of the entrance like he did when he stole it from Lesnar in, uh, in an earlier WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania 31. Um, so a great feel-good moment. I'm a huge Seth fan. I know that you kind of lean towards liking him too if I'm not mistaken mm -hmm. um so that was really exciting I was super happy to see the show open that way and I feel like everyone we rooted for won yeah yeah pretty much so yeah like everybody we did root for pretty much won it was it was a good Wrestlemania for that <laughs> so yeah we wanted Seth to win that one yeah 
Um, but yeah, it was a it was a quick match. It was hard hitting. It was good. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was a good start to the ma- uh, to the Mania event. Um, the next match was AJ versus Orton. I was uh, I was really looking forward to this one. Um, what about you? Were you were you pretty excited to see how this one played out? I mean, I didn't even know. I don't know like what the lineup was before I watched it, but I mean, we were we were going for AJ mm-hmm. so it was pretty exciting. Yeah, and uh, and I like I know that Orton is not like the greatest wrestler just because he doesn't seem to put forth all the effort that he could. Uh, that's not for me to say or judge because I don't wrestle, but um, I think that this match was really good. I think they told a really good story together, and I appreciate the work that both of them put in. Um, they're both just super clean wrestlers that can hit their moves when they want them, and they know how to like tell the story in a way that gets you uh, gets you engaged. So um, it was back in. It was back and forth action. We uh, we saw each of them hitting big moves, like you saw Randy Orton's power slam. Um, Randy Orton went for the RKO on a number of occasions, but AJ always had a way to defend against it. Um, my favorite being when he goes to do the phenomenal forearm, where he jumps on the top rope to um, to hit him, but then Randy Orton kind of just fell back on his back because he missed the RKO. Jesus, I am sorry for the background noise. It's loud over here, um, but uh, but he faked him out with the phenomenal forearm. I thought that was a great spot. It was cool. We've seen it before, but I always love it. Um, Randy Orton did hit his RKO, but then AJ kicks out of it, which was awesome. Um, that was a moment that I definitely was like, oh fuck yeah, for. <laughs> um, and after he kicks out of that, we got another exchange, and um, AJ hits the phenomenal forearm for the win. So another good match. Um, it was, you know, it was probably a good one to be the second match on the card because this card is just so fucking long. And I feel like if it was anywhere else, it probably wouldn't have gotten much atten- attention. So um, I'm glad it was where it was. But again, like, good match. Um I, I really enjoyed it, but it's definitely not, like, the best match on the card. And I know there's some people that will kind of be a little disappointed with it, but I, I was happy. Um, let's see. So then we had the uh, SmackDown tag team match. Um, this was a four-way between The Bar, The Usos, Ricochet, Alistair Black. Um, that was their team, Ricochet and Alistair Black. And then Rusev and Shinsuke. And we wanted Alistair Black, right? Yeah, I, I was rooting for Alistair Black and Ricochet. I just yeah. think they're a really good team together. They've, they've shown like they can work really well together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but everybody else did a pretty good job, didn't they? Yeah. So anyway, we, uh, we were rooting for Ricochet and Alistair Black, and the match as a whole was really good. I, this, this was honestly towards the top of one of my favorite matches, on the card, and I have, I have like three or four, but I really enjoyed this match. Um, the Usos are great. Ricochet and Alistair have great chemistry. Um, Rusev and Shinsuke actually had a couple moments where I was like, they're actually a pretty good pair together. So um, everybody did really well. Uh, 
the highlight, which I know you were just like, what the fuck on, was uh, Cesaro gets, um, I honestly can't remember who he puts in the swing, but he starts swinging around um, one of the other, uh, one of the other um, wrestlers while, while, I'm losing my train of thought, while Sheamus goes around and does 10 beats on the Bowery to every single wrestler on the side of the ring. So, um, that spot was great. And Cesaro, like, I don't know how the fuck he does what he does, because he swung that dude for, like, I don't know, a minute and a half straight. So that was, that was an awesome spot. Um, the match as a whole was just super chaotic, and there was lots of good action. Everybody got um, some great offense in, so everybody came across looking strong, and uh, and it was just a really fun uh, match to watch. Um, Ricochet and Aleister Black, when they get on their, like, striking game, they just, like, wreck house, and I, I love watching those two together. I think, I think if I had it my way, I would watch these two as a tag team for a while, and then I can't wait until the moment when they break up and implode on each other. I cannot wait to see what a Ricochet Alistair Black match looks like, you know, at the next WrestleMania. You know, that's that's my hope. Um I think I think it would be super cool to have this really intense storyline of them doing this tag team action for a while and then starting to break up due to differences or something. I think that'd be awesome. But um but regardless, the Usos win um with double super kicks to Sheamus. And then they each get on the opposite sides of the ring and do their uh, huge splashes from the top rope. Um, it was a great match. Usos win. They deserve it. Uh, I have nothing bad to say about it, to be honest. This was uh, definitely one of my favorites. Um, so then we got Shane versus Miz next. This match, I think, I, well, I would hope, but it surprised me. Um, that, that match was very good. I was very into it. Falls Count Anywhere can kind of be hit or miss, but I think this one was one of the better ones, and Miz and Shane played their part great. It was, uh, it was definitely a very violent Falls Count Anywhere match. Miz was, like, more aggressive than I've ever seen him in any match ever. He was throwing some hard punches that looked like they were landing pretty, um, pretty well, and hitting a lot of uh a lot of hard hitting slams and moves that were just wearing Shane down. Um Shane kind of got the better hand for a while and was beating up on Miz and Miz's dad climbs over the barricade and gets in the ring with Shane and everybody's like cheering Miz's dad on which was great. And Ms. Dad is standing there looking like a dork with his fighting stance that's just, like, so goofy. Um, and Shane acts like a complete douche and just makes fun of him and then stomps the hell out of him. Like, he, he beat up George. Like, he didn't fucking pull any punches there. Uh, that obviously makes Miz get pretty worked up, and he then just dominates pretty much the rest of the match. Shane gets a little bit of offense in, but Miz just takes it to him, beats the hell out of him. They go outside the ring and outside the barricade and start going through the um, stadium. So the uh, the one spot that stuck out for me before we get to the final one 
if you remember the uh the golf cart where he throws him over the railing and he lands on the top of the golf cart and then falls off onto the concrete floor mm-hmm. that spot was awesome like Shane took that one hard that that was not a nice looking spot but it was a cool uh cool touch um they brought through the stadium they you know move up they try a couple of pinfalls they don't go through obviously and then they start working their way up to like this scaffolding spot and they're fighting up there and then they get to the top and you're like okay i see where this is going like you always know in wrestlemania that there's going to be a big shane mcmahon spot where he does something crazy and this just happened to be the one um so Miz goes to the top of the scaffolding that's like 15 feet in the air and does a superplex off the top of it, bringing Shane all the way down to the ground. They crash through some wood. It was an uh, incredible spot. It looked beautiful. It was, it was awesome. Um, but Shane gets the lucky win because he landed on top of the Miz. And so this is just going to build up that story more. And I think that's going to be a really good way to continue this feud if they continue it or at least make Miz like angrier and angrier. So um, I'm curious to see where it goes after Mania. But that match was great. Uh, Definitely one of the highlights on the card to me personally. I thought it was really well done. Um, All right. I know that you have some stuff to say here. So... (laughs) So this next match, I know you have some things to say. Uh, maybe not so much about the match itself, which is fine because not much happened, in my opinion. But I know there's a certain superstar that you're not the fondest of. So uh, I don't necessarily disagree. So I kind of want to hear what you have to say. But <laughs> you just like when I go off on her. <laughs> I, I do because, like, honestly, I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm just like, I'm over it. I'm not interested. So we're being cryptic here. Basically, we're talking about the women's tag match. Uh, The women's tag match was of another four-way, which obviously is problematic. Four-ways, when you have too many of them, just get kind of old after a while. It's hard to keep track of what's going on, and um, I much prefer a one-on-one match. Um, So the match is between Bailey and Sasha, or, sorry, let me reiterate that. It is Bailey and Sasha of the Boss and Hug Connection uh, versus the Iconics, Beth and Natalie, Natalie Natalia, and Naya and Tamina. Um, so going into this, I'm really personally not a fan of most of these people. I think Nia Jax is good on her own. Tamina does absolutely nothing for me. Beth and Nat- Natalia um, are cool, but again, not super invested. I like the Iconics. And then we got Bailey and Sasha. So I'm going to let other Bailey talk about oh my this. God, I'm the first one. <laughs> talk about them for a second because I have stuff to play off of, but I know that she has opinions on them. So let's, uh, let's hear it, Bailey. So first of all, I don't know who she thinks she is spelling her <laughs> name the same way as me. Just kidding. No. Um... I I knew, he, like, when I first started watching wrestling with you, you were like, oh, yeah, like, there's a, a women's wrestler named Bailey, And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool, blah, blah, blah. But it's not. <laughs> it's not cool. I don't know. I am I'm just have a personal vendetta against her for whatever reason. I just hate her character. 
And um, you said it wasn't even much of a character. It was like almost like her personality in real life, too. Or? It certainly comes across that way. And I just like, I hate it. Um, I once said that she's the Jojo Siwa of wrestling. <laughs> Which was iconic. That is the most accurate thing I've ever seen. If you don't know who Jojo Siwa is, look her up and you will be so blown away by how true that statement is. Um, and so I just, I just don't like her character. That's what it comes down to. I hate the whole, I'm a grown adult acting like a two-year-old child. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I mean... She's a good wrestler. I'll give her that. I just, I don't like her character. It's so cringy. And me, that's my personal opinion. We're all allowed to have them. Um, I don't mind Sasha. I really like the Iconics. Their costumes were sick. Those, like, Maleficent-looking horns. Yeah, those I are so good. love them. They're great. Um, again, like what you said with Beth and Natalia, I like them, don't mind them. Um, I like Naya. Naya's dope, but to me, it really brings her down, I think, personally. And we wanted the Iconics to win, and they won. Yeah. And... They pinned Bailey, so good on them. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so I I'll follow up with that being like I'm, I've been watching Bailey since since NXT, and in NXT she was great. I still don't like her character. I never have, and I probably never will. I just I don't. I agree. I don't like the like childish innocence of this like. 20-something-year-old woman, you know? I think it's just kind of weird, and I agree. It's kind of cringy. Um, there's a lot of young girls that connect to her, and that's why they keep her that way, and I get that. But it's just definitely not for me. And I haven't been, like, a Sasha fan for a long time, probably since her and Charlotte were feuding in, like, Hell in a Cell um, a while back. So, um... So I was not looking forward to them, um, but that's why I'm super glad the Iconics won. They steal it in a really good fashion. Beth Phoenix did a glam slam off the top rope, which was fucking dope, uh, to Bailey. And as she was doing that, uh, uh, Billy Kay tagged herself in. Peyton pushes Beth Phoenix off, and then uh Billy Kay jumps in and gets the pin. It was it was awesome. So that was a really cool moment. I was very happy about that. Um and that that capped off what was like a decent match. There was nothing wrong with it. There weren't like a lot of like, you know, botched spots or anything. It's just it wasn't something I was fully invested in. So um yeah, that's all we really have to say about that. Alright. We are at probably the highlight of WrestleMania. We are talking about the WWE Championship, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. This match. this match is fucking phenomenal. It's definitely one that I'm going to watch back. I love Daniel Bryanson, but I also like became a huge Kofi stan. Yeah, yeah. And his kids are really Oh my god, really his cute. kids are fucking cute. We'll talk about them in a second. Um, but this match is obviously what everybody was excited for. The placement really surprised me, but I think they did it right because if they did it any later, I think the crowd just wouldn't have been alive for it. Um, and that's something we'll touch on later too. But the crowd was hot as fuck, which is great. They are so hot. So hot. So hot. And it was just a incredible back and forth match. Lots of great action. Uh, Daniel Bryan was, uh, excuse me, Daniel Bryan was playing his, like, heel role so well of just, like, keeping Kofi down and making people aggravated with how he was treating him and stuff. 
it was uh, it was really fun to watch. And when Kofi got his offense in, it was exciting, and you were rooting for him, and the crowd was cheering. It was just it was everything you want to see from like a huge rivalry match with somebody that everybody wants to see win. Like this is just one of those matches. This this was like Daniel Bryan um, winning way back in WrestleMania when the Yes Movement was in full swing, and. That's why this match was just like so cool. It was just a mirror of it in the opposite direction and I was I was just very very happy with it. Uh one of my standout moments was early not early in the match but probably about like midway through the match. Um Daniel Bryan grabs both of Kofi Kingston's hands and just starts stomping on his face and well which brought which Daniel Bryan did to him first. Well, right. That Daniel Bryan did that first, and then Kofi did it to him yeah, later. Yeah. And I love that trade-off because that move is brutal. <laughs> like, there's no way that doesn't hurt. And it just looks violent. So when Daniel Bryan did it him, and, like, everybody's, like, booing him and hating on it, but then later on Kofi does it back to him, that was that was an awesome moment. Loved that. Um, there was a... There was the moment where you almost thought that Kofi Kingston was going to tap out to uh, Daniel Bryan's uh, yes lock, or I guess it's the the lapel or the label lock or something they call it now. Um, but uh, but he was doing that submission, and you almost thought Kofi was going out, and then his hand shoots up like he's got new life in him and fights out of it, and he then gets that stomp going, hits the trouble in paradise after missing it like a couple of times earlier and gets the win. Um, but this match just like was so good. It was, it was perfect from start to finish. Um, I will absolutely be watching it again because it was a, it was a great moment. And then we got like such a good celebration for Kofi. Like they really been building the story that, Kofi's been deserving this for a long time. So you saw like the locker room cheering for him and like his family cheering for him. And it was just a really big moment. And his kids come out and Xavier Woods and Big E lift him up on their shoulders and everybody's crying and the kids are cute. Uh, And it was just an awesome moment. Um, So definitely the highlight of WrestleMania, I think, for a lot of people, including us, I would say. Um... But we were talking about it, and I think that the uh, boy with the shaved head, he's got a future in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he was jumping up on the ropes and posing and everything right off the bat. No fear. It was awesome. He was just, like, owning that spot. It was, it was fun. Um, so, great match. Next, we move on to the U.S. Championship, Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. Um, I was personally pretty disappointed by this in mostly in the way that I knew that this could be a barnstormer. This could be a fucking great match, but when you have 16 matches on a wrestling card, somebody's going to get squashed, I guess. And it just so happened to be this match. Um, I read something that maybe Rey Mysterio had some injuries and that's why they, you know, kind of made it that way for this one because it could afford to be that. And it made Joe look really good, because he just killed Rey Mysterio. Um, But it was disappointing, because I know that Samoa Joe and Rey could probably have a phenomenal match if they have the time to do so. 
but nothing to write home about. Samoa Joe beat the hell out of him, chokes him out um, completely, and, and that's that. So we'll see what happens later on with them. Maybe they'll feud again a little bit more and go to or SummerSlam if Ray isn't injured, but we'll see what happens. I, I don't know that we'll see them fight much more after this. Um, then we got Roman and Drew. Again, this one's kind of just like one of those filler matches. It felt like a Raw match to me. Um, I know you weren't all that invested in it, and I can't blame you because it just, it was fine. Like, there were, there were some good, like, um, moments, and Drew McIntyre is a hard-hitting wrestler, and I, I like his style. It's just like, this match was obviously just kind of made to be a little bit of a filler and, and make everybody feel good because Roman Reigns won, and um, since he beat leukemia, it's a big deal, you know. So it was fine. It did what it needed to. Nothing to say about that, really. Uh, Reigns hits a Superman punch and a spear, and we get the pin, and everybody's happy. Tons of fucking fireworks for him, though, so um, that, was, uh, that was good, I guess. Um, next is the Elias scene. I don't know if you caught all of this. Um, this is when John Cena came out and battle wrapped him. I was in and out. I was dying. I was trying to make it through. <laughs> yeah. We had Red Bull and vegan wings and it was delicious. But we, I mean, we I were was tired. falling asleep. I even had some of your Red Bull, man. I was done. So at that point I was in the bathroom taking off my makeup, but I was listening and I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. And then he roasts him. John Cena just roasts himself saying that something, what do you say? His movies are shit, pretty much. Basically, yeah. But, I okay, so... I just, like, I John Cena just cracks me up. I, yeah. So, so yeah, to kind of piggyback off of her, we started WrestleMania late. So, towards this point, we're both kind of getting a little tired. It was Um, like we started watching around, like, close to 8. Yeah, it was, it was like 7.30, 8 o'clock-ish. So we were, we were a few hours late to starting it. And on a card that's already crazy fucking long, like the main card itself was five and a half hours. The pre-show was two hours. That's seven and a half hours of like a wrestling show. And again, I'm going to talk about this at the end because I like everybody does and it needs to be said. But anyway, the John Cena... Um, spot with Elias was great. Um, Elias is, is great at being an entertainer. Um, he plays his part well, he's funny. And then John Cena comes out as the doctor of thugonomics and everybody's like, what the fuck? Because that was like his heel rap battle version of himself back in like 2005. Um, and he roasts Elias, and it was actually quite good. I was laughing, and I was into it. It was, it was a fun moment. Um, so even though John Cena looks fucking ridiculous in some thugonomics gear with his backwards hat and huge chain and four-knuckle rings and stuff, like, it's goofy as hell, but he just he played that part well, and it was funny. I, I love Cena. I have nothing bad to say about it. Um, hits a clothesline, five-knuckle shuffle, and then gives him the F-U, not the A-A, the F-U, so that was awesome. We got a little bit of edgy, or not attitude, but TV-14 era um, WWE there. It was fun. Nothing bad to say. All right, so next, this match is probably one of the other favorites for me. So I'd say the men's tag, Kofi Kingston's match, and then Triple H versus Dave Batista. This match was awesome, and I wish it wasn't where it was at. 
and I wish it was on a shorter card because like this deserved such a better crowd interaction than what we got. Um, and for me, I, I have a really hard time watching a match when the crowd isn't into it and they're just quiet or they're distracted by other things and things like that. It really kind of bums me out because I just want wrestlers to get like the attention that they should get. I mean, that's, that's why you're there. You came to watch a wrestling match, like, you know, get invested on that end though the matches or the the card is so long that people are just tired you know so it's just it was a bad spot for them because the crowd just wasn't very invested and there was some crazy shit that happened in this match um it was awesome there was the entrances were cool yeah 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 good call uh the entrances were really good dave batista come coming in looking like a movie star um, with all the security and stuff, that was that was great. And then the Mad Max intro for Triple H was awesome. And even though it wasn't the most elaborate one we've seen from him, like that car was fucking sick as hell. I would I would love to have that car. It was super violent too at first. Yeah, Batista was, was oh just my getting God. beat up. He was getting like tortured. It was like a fucking like hostile movie because he like he whips him with the chain. Like I mean, he straight up whipped him. And then he went to go punch him with the chain, which he blocked. But yeah, yeah, he missed that. And then with his piercing and oh yeah, yeah, he took the channel. Like is this like child's play right now? What's going on? (laughs) Right. He uh. So first he took the channel locks, um, which are like the not the other like they're like pliers if you don't know what channel locks are, but um. He grabs his fingers and is, like, breaking his fingers with these channel locks and then sticks it on the stairs and then stomps on them. Like, it was just such a good spot. It was brutal. But then he gets another thing out of the toolbox, these needle-nose pliers, and while Dave Batista is on the ground, sticks it, like, onto his nose ring and, like, it's an aggressive-looking, like, fight where they're, like, holding off each other and stuff. It just, just was, it was just really well done and grabs the nose ring and rips it out and it was like what the fuck and then he shows the nose ring to the crowd like it was awesome that was some like cool ass that was a cool ass spot um and so dave's nose is bleeding um he's been beat the fuck up but then they get into like some hard-heading back and forth um they work their way over to the announce tables and they're throwing each other over them on them through them basically we had a moment where we were pretty sure that dave batista was going to do the batista bomb off of the stairs on top of the announce table so it would have been crazy elevation but instead triple h black body drops him um onto the next table which doesn't break which made it look that much more brutal because he just nails his back on the uh table and then he uh triple h spears him through the third announce table. It was just awesome. It was all this action on these three announce tables. It was great. Um, so they uh, they kick out of each other's finishers later. Um, Dave Batista does a powerbomb. Uh, Triple H does a pedigree. They each kick out of their stuff. There's a moment where Batista does a brutal DDT onto the steel steps and stands Triple H straight up on his head. It was a fucking great spot. Um, uh, Triple H power bombs uh, Batista from the second rope onto those steel steps, 
and that was awesome. It was just, there was so much cool shit that happened in this match. I really wish that the the crowd was more invested, but I think if people go back and watch it, they're going to be pretty surprised because these two dudes are pushing 50 years old. Like, I was telling you that when we were watching it. I was like, look at how good Triple H looks for Crowns. being, like, like mid to high 40s. That's insane. And they just went out there and fucking beat the shit out of each other. It was, it was great. So, um, basically, end of the match, Triple H gets the uh, pedigree after Ric Flair gives him the sledgehammer. He jumps off the stairs and hits him with, like, a flying sledgehammer hit, which was a really cool look. And then gets the pedigree, which is one of my favorite finishers, and um, gets the pin. It was a great match. I Honestly, this is probably one of my favorite ones. We just haven't seen this kind of, like, um, brutally violent, uh, no-holds-barred match. We just haven't seen one of these type of matches um, like that felt this old school in a while. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, now we got another one of Bailey's favorites, um, oh Baron Corbin <laughs> versus, uh, Kurt Angle. So, um, Baron Corbin's just boring and I hate that. Like, he just looks so, like, how are you not uncomfortable wrestling in your attire? It's, it's something that I don't understand. I hate his ring attire. Why are you wrestling in a dress shirt? Fucking stop. And jeans. Yeah, yeah, for real. Like I I can deal with the jeans more so, but the dress shirt is just so like I hate it. I'm like, why? And I agree. Like this match was nothing. It was irrelevant. Angle loses, so like as a send-off for his retirement, it just like it wasn't a feel-good moment. It makes Baron Corbin more unlikable, but he's already unlikable, so it's not like we needed that anyway. Um, and yeah, nothing really happened. Corbin hits end of days. We get the pin, and that's that. I have nothing else to say. Um, then we have the IC title, the Intercontinental title, uh, Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley. Uh, we rewatched this one pretty much too. Um, and again, this one's kind of uneventful. So Baron Corbin versus Engel and then Finn Balor versus Bobby kind of like buffered the spot before we got to the women's match. So Finn just kind of dominates Bobby Lashley, surprisingly, but that's his demon character. So it like built that up. But Lashley did get that spear through the second rope, which I thought was pretty cool. It looked real good. Mm -hmm. Um... But then the the highlight, and I pointed this out to you, um, the highlight was Finn Balor getting Bobby Lashley up on his shoulders for the power bomb mm-hmm. from standing position. Mm-hmm. Like that's insane because yeah. Finn Balor is such a tiny dude and he's muscular, but he's like lifting this pushing three hundred pound muscle mass. Onto his shoulders, hits a power bomb, gets the coup de gras, and gets the win. It was it was fine. It did what it needed to do. It was a it was a good little filler match. Mm-hmm. All right, now for the next highlight and my last of the favorite matches and last of the matches on the card. We have Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch. For the Raw and SmackDown team, t- or not team, Raw and SmackDown titles, we get the longest intro ever from Charlotte Flair. Like so awkward. It was it was way too long. It didn't need to be that long. They they should have like 
done the camera work from the helicopter, like, a little bit before she was landing. But instead, we're sitting there watching her in the helicopter for, like, five minutes. Well, we're watching her minutes. look back out the window all sassy, back at them, back out the window all sassy for, yeah. like, a good, like, 30 seconds. It was, it was like, five minutes, dude. And then, well, no, I'm talking about, like, oh. when she's, like, looking. And then it's, like, a shot of her far as fuck from the fucking... <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. And then it's, like, a shot of her landing, and it's, like, okay... Okay. Yeah, and then the propeller stop, and then they roll up this red car. It's like so dramatic, so funny, and then we get to see Joan Jet play live. Yeah, which we love. Yeah, we're we're Joan Jet stands for sure. And this could have gone either way. I either wanted Rhonda or Becky to win, but I'm I'm glad that it ended how it did. Yeah. So um, so basically we got this three way match between three huge uh female stars that have every right to be headlining Wrestlemania um it was an awesome moment that like a lot of people were excited to see and um again though we have the issue of the crowd just not being as invested because the um because of the time length of this of this card but uh we'll again talk about that in a minute but um but yeah, so both Bailey and I are big Ronda Rousey fans. I've been a Ronda Rousey fan since she was fighting MMA in uh, in Strike Force um, a long ass time ago, like like two thousand eight to two thousand ten ish, and she has always been like one of my favorite like fighters in general. She's a trash talker extraordinaire. And that's why I've loved everything she's been doing since she's turned heel. Um, everybody that wants to complain about anything she's said or anything like that, I just kind of laugh at because that's exactly who she's been her entire life. Like, her being the baby face was not really her actual character. She's always been a trash talker. So I love her. I was excited when she turned heel and started talking shit on everybody. And... um and we got a really great match out of the three of them. Um, it was back and forth the entire time. Everybody's hitting moves. Everybody's getting knocked out of the rain. Uh, everybody's looking strong. I loved early on Ronda Rousey's just flurry of hard punches. Like every punch in this match looked stiff as hell. It looked like everyone was hitting like with actual force. And that was just awesome. It made this feel more um, intense. Then Ronda Rousey does her little push kicks to both of them out the rain, which was great. We got a lot of uh, really cool moves like that. Um, one of the highlights to me was she goes for like this double arm bar. Um, and they pick her, or no, I'm sorry. So they kind of like try to do like a double power bomb to her. And she gets pulled over the ropes and then she grabs an arm bar on Charlotte. But then Becky Lynch, as she's hanging over the ropes upside down, uh, I'm talking about Rhonda, um, Becky Lynch does this drop kick to her and she just lands hard, hits the, uh, the edge of the ring and then hits the floor. And it was just a brutal looking spot. So that was super cool. Um, then... Later on, we get Ronda Rousey trying to do the double arm bar, and uh, Charlotte and Becky pick her up and do three double power bombs on her um, until she finally lets go, which was a really cool uh, spot as well. Um, then we get more punches, kicks, hard moves, and <laughs> um, 
my cat and dog are playing, so there might be some background noise. But uh, but we get a uh, Spanish fly off the top rope from Charlotte yeah. Flair, which is a really cool spot. Uh, lots of pin breaks where Becky jumps off the top rope and does a leg drop while Charlotte Flair is doing the figure eight. That was a really cool spot. And lots of just good back and forth um, action. Then, like, the only downside to the match for me was the end. Um, basically, Ronda Rousey goes in for the uh, Piper's Pit, her finishing move, but Becky reverses it into kind of like a, a crucifix pin and gets the surprise victory off of that. And I liked it. Like, it did its job, and, like, everybody was excited to see Becky win. I was super happy. It made Ronda still look good because she was really probably the more dominant in that situation. But it just was kind of confusing, and I think it took a second to register with everybody because the reaction wasn't as loud as I feel like it could have been if, like, Becky put her in the arm bar and uh, tapped her out. Like, that probably would have been a much more impactful um, win, and you probably would have had that huge pop from the crowd. But overall, it was really good. Like, oh, <laughs> um, overall, it was really good, and I don't have much bad things to say. It's just I think the ending could have been a lot more of a period as opposed to, like, like a leave it up in the air and make it a little bit controversial. But, uh, yeah, what did you, what did you think? You, you were pretty into the match, huh? Uh-huh, yeah, it was really good. I was just, like, on edge the whole time. Yeah. And, um, go ahead. And, yeah, I just thought it was, it was really good. You never knew what to kind of expect, so. And then the whole table, that was cool. Oh, yeah, the table spot was good. Um, I really like how Ronda Rousey was like, oh, oh you guys want tables? Fuck your tables, pretty much. That was that was such a good spot for her as a heel. I love that. Because everybody booed the shit out of her after that. That was great. Um, but uh but yeah, it was it was a good match. I really liked it. We I watched it last night and then she was kind of falling asleep during it, so we rewatched it this morning. And um and it definitely holds up. It's it's one that I, I think really shows that they they were in the position that they deserve to be in. Um and uh and I thought they put on a great show. Um so basically the final thoughts on this and I mean I'm sure you're probably going to agree but we'll we'll see what you have to say because I just like it's just too long. Like if we were to have watched it from the pre-show all the way to the end, that's seven and a half hours. Now, as a fan watching from home, I don't mind because I can break that up. I can go up to my kitchen, get some food. I can um, smoke some weed. I can do whatever. Like at home, it's fine. But for the people in the crowd, it just kills the excitement because everybody just gets tired. You can only scream and yell for so long. And seven and a half hours is expecting so much from everybody. And I know that like any wrestling podcast you ever listen to will say the same exact thing. So I'm just reiterating what everybody else has said, but they just need to shorten it. Like if you look back at the old days, oh, excuse me. (laughs) I'm going to flag that so you don't have to listen to that. If you, uh, if you look back at the old days, um, in WWE WrestleManias, like, 
again, sometimes the crowd just isn't invested, so you'll have like weaker crowd reaction. But those were much shorter. I mean, you're you're probably looking at like four hours or so on average, and that's much more doable. I I could sit through a four hour event at um at a pay per view and be fully invested the entire time. Seven hours, there's no fucking way. I get too antsy, and I know that a lot of people probably were too. So it was just one of those situations where um, it was too long and it really ruined the crowd interaction. And that brings it down for me because as a fan watching at home, I love hearing people get invested and chanting and cheering and screaming. Like that makes it fun. When the people aren't yelling and, and screaming, it's it kind of feels disappointing because you feel like like the wrestlers aren't really getting getting love for what they're doing and i it's just it's just disappointing Mm -hmm. to me you know i could have done without two to three matches that were in there yeah exactly exactly that's the thing is like they need to just shorten it there's too many matches nxt takeover is five matches and they're good every single time you know Mm -hmm. so even if you need to double it you can do 10 matches instead of 16, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's just insane. It's just too, too long. But as a whole... Um, we enjoyed it. We had fun. Uh, we watch it every year together, and it's a little tradition. Yeah. So it's, it was great. It was one of the better WrestleManias I've seen as of late because um, every match delivered, like even the ones that weren't like long, even the squash matches is like... Okay, cool. We got to see Samoa Joe look really good and, and slam Ray Mysterio around. But it was just one of those things that, like, it's too long, but I enjoyed it. I will never complain about having too much wrestling to watch. It's just it, when it ruins the crowd experience, it ruins my experience, and that's, and that's the biggest bummer. So that's, like, the one thing that I have an issue with. But I will never complain about having too much wrestling to watch. So um, as a whole, we really enjoyed it. But those were our thoughts. Just a quick breakdown of it, and obviously not super in-depth in terms of, um, you know, giving any dirt sheet stuff or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, we just wanted to kind of give you our thoughts on the matches and um, talk about it a little bit. So we are going to wrap it up here. Um, the next podcast will probably be movie-related. We're thinking probably a Pet Cemetery original versus the Pet Cemetery remake. Um, so kind of like our Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode, if you listen to that. So stay tuned for that. Um, it'll probably be coming around uh, next week or so after we are able to go see the movie. So um, that will probably be the next um, podcast unless I come up with something different before then. Um, but thank you for listening. I'm sure you guys will have some comments and questions, um, or maybe you won't. But if you do, please feel free to reach out. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter or uh, whatever you wish to do. But basically, we are done, and so we will call it now. Um, until next time, we'll see you later.